Days for Alcoholic is a program about recovery. My name is John, and I'm an alcoholic. And my name is Jerry, and I'm an alcoholic. Join us as we go through the alphabet of alcoholism one letter at a time. Welcome back, all you sober knots. Thank you for... Uh... <laughs> sober knots. Like an astronaut? Like you, like I, you... I like to say uh, former party people. Ah, the... the, the... Post-party. Post- We're the PPP, yeah. Post party people, the post party people. <clears throat> Trip P. It's the it's the after 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 party. It's the well, yep. the long after, the triple P, the three streams. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the, 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 the streams like the Ghostbusters, like don't cross like the streams. Oh, like peeing, like, or like or yeah, or when you're peeing in the urinal with your friend, don't cross the streams. <laughs> don't cross the streams. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, the P that I'm thinking about, Jerry, is uh, yeah. Patreon.com. <laughs> Bam! Backslash yeah. AIFA. Yeah. Um, thank you, all Patreon supporters. Uh, you remember our good friend from back in the day, Danny Shu. She was one of the first ones to leave us. She's our uh, leave us a, a review. She is now one of our Patreons, so we're excited to have her there. Um, if you're excited to be a part of the Patreon uh, family. Go over to patreon.com slash A-I-F-A. And if you're not, the best thing that you can do to help support us here is to give us a rating or leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Where do you listen to your podcast, Jerry? Uh, I listen to the podcast app. The podcast, so iTunes. Yeah, I so guess. it's iTunes and, and Spotify sometimes yeah. too, the podcast app, which isn't working sometimes. Mm. When it isn't working, um, usually Spotify and iTunes. Yeah, and there's all kinds of ones, and we're we're working on getting our getting our podcast out there. But what really really helps us are the the ratings and the reviews. Take a second, right. click on the little page, type up what you think. Five star right. reviews only, please. <laughs> yeah, talk about my silky voice yes. and how it's kind kind of high for an adult man. Um, and then also. Um, our sponsor is Green Camel Press, comics, greeting cards, and more. That's the other uh, business that I have. And we are currently, we have a line of Christmas cards that are super awesome. Uh, we'll send you a little five pack of these cute little animals, little foxy, Christmas fox, uh, squirrels, owls, bears, um, snowmen, rabbits, all that good stuff. All the little right. forest animals. We all also are going to be doing, if you're not familiar with us, go to greencamelpress.com and go check out our time-lapse videos, art that we, video art, I guess you would call it, video, video art. Yeah, sure. Art. I mean, call it, call it what you want to. We've been kind of trying to come up with a name, like a good name, <laughs> like I don't want to call it like camel droppings or something like that, but you know. That's like, <laughs> pretty good, dude. Yeah. Camel droppings, um, dude. But yeah, so we're going to start doing uh, e-cards, personalized custom e-cards. So like say, Jerry, you wanted to have us create you something for your wife. And you say mm-hmm. like your wife's, you give me your wife's name and like what she's into. You know, right. does she does she like tennis and her favorite color is red and um, her favorite, you know, animal is a. A dragon. I don't know. Yeah, dragon. <laughs> so she loves a piano by candlelight. Piano by and so and then what we do is we incorporate that all into the drawing and we can send it out as a digital file and it's and cut it up, edit it, um, put it to music, and so you have this cool really? little thing that's super unique. I've never seen anything yeah. like it. 
and yeah. um, so it's up there. That's, that's awesome, right? That's what I thought yeah. too. We were for really the fucking digital age. So dude. it's digital, you know. It's hand drawn. We're you know old school aesthetic in a digital age. So it's all hand drawn. Yeah. But then we we chop it up, we video it, we chop it up, we add some music to it, make it super awesome, super personal, a one one of a kind, unique gift. Greencamelpress.com. Go check it out Ooh. if you haven't already. Yeah. So that you got that you got that whole <laughs> spiel down good, man. I. I've been... I would not. I would not hit the skip fifteen seconds through that ad at all. No, I would no. listen to that and be like, "Oh, this is part of the podcast." Yeah, I would. This is not an ad for Blue Apron. <laughs> you like how I slipped it in there? Green Camel. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Green Camel. Um. So today on the podcast <laughs> X, the letter X, which was, I think, kind of a struggle. Uh, we were well. We had a few ideas for the letter X, but it's weird. Nothing good starts with X, really. That Starts pertains to this, yeah, yeah. That pertains to this podcast. So there were ideas like X-ray from the inside out, or right, or like xylophone. I got drunk and stole a xylophone. If you got drunk and stole a xylophone, we would like to hear. I would like to hear that story, please. I didn't. No. I stole lots of other things, but never a xylophone. Mm. Well, if there's any listeners out there who uh, who did, we'd like to hear that story, and sure, and more yeah. importantly, your amends. For that story. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put the safety net on it because don't be fucking stealing xylophones first off. But if you do tell us, yes. but don't do it again. Don't do it again. Apologize. Learn from it and don't do it again. So we want to call this. Um, we want to call the X. We're going to call it solving for X. And what does that mean? Well, there's this. The idea is that alcoholism is most definitely a disease. We here mm-hmm. at A's for Alcoholic believe that. Uh, it is yes. his own full standing disease. It has its mm-hmm. own properties, its own personas. That being said, oftentimes there's underlying issues that either either you know contribute to it, exacerbate it, or that the alcoholism springs from. You know. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there's a few of them. You know, whether it's your your upbringing, your um, your environment your family, you know, lineage, your heritage. Um, and I don't know if you feel, uh, you, you, your parents were both alcoholics, right, Jerry? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I come from a long line of proud alcoholics, <laughs> which is funny, right? Now we can hop into it because if you think about the genetic aspect of it, right? Mm-hmm. Because we hear that narrative a lot in recovery circles and in just in general that you're more genetically predispositioned to have an addictive personality if if it you know what i mean if it's in your family line mm-hmm. and uh I, I think about my siblings and none of them are alcoholics i have once i have one sibling who doesn't drink at all whatsoever not because she has a problem with drinking she doesn't like the way it makes her feel so she just doesn't drink mm-hmm. which just blows me away because i'm like really you don't like the, what's wrong with your brain that you don't <laughs> like the way it makes you feel <laughs> yeah you know so well, that's just like blue eyes and blonde hair, and I mean that could just right. be something else that she, a gene it's, it's she the, didn't get, or well, he didn't get. Well, that's why they're yeah. I'm I mean I'm Hispanic, I'm half Mexican, and they're all brown, and I'm like the whitest dude in the family. Yeah. I'm whiter than my dad, who's a white guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's definitely a crapshoot. It really is just a big soupy mixture genetically, but I mean, 
God damn, there's so many factors. It's so complex, which is why it's it's kind of interesting. We're gonna do this podcast, and we're not gonna figure it out, but we'll talk yeah, about some shit. Yeah, you know, like so they. So let me ask you this: There's that. I also yeah. the idea of um, they talk about. So, is it passed on hereditary through the DNA? Is it something in the double helix? Um, or or and you know even like they talk about ancestral trauma. So you right. could be walking around with some fucking serious trauma from, you know, generations ago that has led up right. to this. Um, or in a more, because I'm not a scientist and I don't know about the genome, but mm-hmm. behaviorally that stuff can get passed on very easily. So you can learn that well, shit. yeah. You know. That is definite nature and nurture, right? I mean, I'm also the oldest in my family, so I was my parents' first attempt Mm-hmm. As starting a franchise so you know i could have picked up behaviors from them that maybe my other siblings didn't and i also have to consider that my two youngest there's four of us the two youngest siblings i have they were raised in a household with recovering alcoholics you know so mm-hmm. my my parents were learning a new way on how to live and they were you know applying whatever rule like whatever life lessons they were learning they were applying it to the raising children you know i i look at my little brother and he's like really well adjusted emotionally you know and uh you compare him to me and it's just like night and day you really do i mean i'm getting there i'm getting better Mm -hmm. definitely but but uh yeah so it could be nature it could be genetics i think it's all actually it's not even could it is i think nature and genetics Mm -hmm. and well we talked about i mean when we talked earlier, you said, you know, the alcoholism, which is interesting because I apply to the same belief system is that the alcoholism is almost a symptom of other outlying problems. You, I mean, and you, you know? not to, not to put the, uh, the onus on you. I have some things to say as uh, well, but I, I, yeah. I, I, my question is depression. You've dealt with depression and mental illness is definitely, yes. I mean, yeah. you have been, um, yeah. you have been committed at yeah. least once twice twice yeah at a very but i wasn't i was i was i was not committed to being committed Damn. <laughs> that's some fucking porch belt shit right there yeah i mean i suffer from uh uh clinical depression you know and and actually since i've quit drinking it doesn't come it doesn't come nearly as much and it's not as profound as it was when i was in the throes of my alcoholism but mm-hmm. Um, as a teenager, I wasn't an alcoholic. I was just full of hormones and a crazy person, which actually mirrored me during my worst drinking days. Like my worst moments, my my bottoms, my worst bottoms, I was reverting exactly back to how I was when I was like a 16-year-old kid, you know, almost exactly as mm-hmm. far as like what was going on inside my mind mentally. So, yeah, I felt like, you know, it's funny because we hear this um, – this constant thing in in the twelve step program we're in about how a lot of alco- these alcoholics share their stories and they always say how they always felt like an outsider. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And not being able to fit in and that thing that's so common. I hear it all the time, you know. And I I relate to that very much. So it and I that's how I felt as a young person, mm-hmm. you know. And then you double that with like whatever chemicals are rolling around inside my head, making me a little wacky, you know. And whew, you got a cocktail right there, you know. It's you yeah. and you have no idea how. Yeah, how alcohol is going to react to any of that shit, any mm-hmm. of those those hormones or right. those feelings or, you know, whether it, it was depression that was that was was there was inherent in you or for some reason growing up in a certain way or in a certain household or a certain right. environment or a certain community I mean, or a certain stress level that comes with things right. like poverty. Right. 
you know right. oh yeah and we were we were poor i was real poor growing mm-hmm. up my mom always said like you were the only depressed five-year-old i ever met you know which always is fucking funny because you know i'm walking Charlie around Brown. like you know i had that whole fucking uh yeah yeah like charlie brown exactly i have a charlie brown tattoo i think it's because of that actually it's no it's definitely because of that i'm trying to think of the name of the tv show but i'll come back we'll circle around and i'll figure okay. it out later yeah one day at a time no, it was the one with the. It was the TV show with the the bald guy who was the psychiatrist in the seventies, and that's how I always felt like the theme song to that show was like sad as fuck. And he was a psychiatrist, and the TV show was his name. He was a comedian. Anyway, I can't. Yeah. I, somebody out there is like making dinner, going, "Oh shit, that's so and so." So and so. Yeah, and then he they did a spinoff of the show, and it was my name is Daryl, and this is my other brother Daryl. You know, Bob Newhart. That? Bob Newhart. So <laughs> yes. the intro song to Bob Newhart was like the running soundtrack of my fucking childhood. It was like this sad piano song where mm-hmm. you just kind of and everything was drab in seventies and just kind of. It was. I mean, that's how I felt. I felt like a little Bob Newhart sometimes. No, because he, I guess Bob Newhart wasn't depressed, but you know what I mean. It was like that same feeling of what, like almost like the Mash soundtrack. I f- We're pulling back. I feel here, like I'm pulling back all these. I feel old like school. Bob Newhart. I don't know if he wasn't not depressed, but he was very. No. I feel like there was some maudlinness to him. I feel like there was some right. underlying. You know, he wasn't just a droll comic. There was. I feel like there was a little bit of sadness there. There was a little, you know, bit of untapped dreams and potentials in the character at least you know yeah but right um so i guess what i'm trying to relate is that a five it's a five-year-old the bob newhart song was basically like my jam like the the song at the beginning which if you hear it it's like this sad piano fucking song but yeah i was like a sad kid and so when that Uh, depression finds alcohol for the first time bam it actually cured it for a little while. Mm-hmm. I was doing much better when I found drinking. I got a little better for a little while. My mom would even, you know, my family would comment like, wow, you seem, you've got a really good network of friends and mm. you've got a great support group there and you seem to be doing all right. And, you know, you appear to be in better spirits and like, you know, and and the reality was I love my friends from back then, but my support group was a bunch of dudes I fucking partied with, yeah. you know, like it's not like we were sitting down backing each other up on our feelings or working through anything we were just figuring out what the cheapest tequila was you know and how much we could portion out to each one of us you know i still hold those friendships very dearly Mm -hmm. though like i never wrote any of those people off they mean a lot to me but but it's just funny because it worked for a little while in the beginning but then you chronically use it see that's the rub i mean that's the rub alcoholism. Well, also, what's you know the things that are manageable are things like waking up without a hangover, and you're like, God, this is amazing. There's no consequences, dude. Yeah, dude. My first few times waking up without a hangover, I felt like a Disney princess. Mm-hmm. It's like fucking Snow White with the birds flying down and shit. You got no. Yeah. There's no Snapchat, Instagram. You know, there's no voicemail and text messages. You're just like, I don't. What I got nothing to regret. Who knows what happened? Ah, right. Right. So. Yeah. I was just like out there dancing around the yard. <laughs> um, you know, so I think that it, I think a lot of it for me, um, for me, it stems from childhood. It has to. And I've, I've, uh, my, I had a very, um, abusive father who, a very, uh, abusive alcoholic for a father. Um, and I want to yeah. say, I, I, if I can start this story a little bit back. Um, so my father was born in 1945. Uh, he's no longer wow. with us, but when he was six mm-hmm. months old, he contracted, um, uh, he got pneumonia and he got asthma. He contracted asthma because of that. So he was sick for his entire life. 
I say that yeah. because, um, you know, alcoholism, we're, we're taught to look at it as a sickness when you see somebody who's dealing with it, you know, and then to be actually physically sick on top of it and to have, um, and I'm not excusing the behavior, which I want to talk about in a second, but just to kind of give you an idea of the story, he was sick all the time. Us kids were left home alone and told not to open mm-hmm. the door at ages that you should not leave kids home alone because he would be in the hospital. You know, right. it was funny. We couldn't, we, he, he would leave us alone to go to the hospital, but he had no problem driving us to the mall where he would go get hammered at Durbarons and drink the 101 beers around the world. Do you remember this? It, right. Does this make no, any sense? No, I don't know what the fuck you're okay. talking about. Yeah. What the fuck's a Durbarons? Is that a Las Vegas it was thing? A, yeah. It was like this beer hall in the mall and we, he would ah. go drink upstairs there and then we would get a roll of quarters each and we'd go down, he'd go, just go to the arcade. And we were out, we would go and check in with him. And if he was, you know, ready to drive us home after many beers. <laughs> Drunk. Yeah. yeah we yeah. had, there was old green Velare that had this yellow streak across this red or yellow paint across one side because uh-huh. of those, those big cement pillars that you're not supposed to run into. Oh yeah. 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 So he, um, and I, I keep thinking back to like, so his child, he, he was sick. Um, he was dealing with things like taking all kinds of terrible medication to help him breathe that ended up rotting away every single one of his joints. Um, mm-hmm. But he was an alcoholic on top of it. And I have to imagine that he came and I don't know a lot about my father's family. And, you know, my aunt just passed away, too. And there's less and less that I know. Um, but I have to imagine that there was a great deal of abuse in that family as well that was taught. And and um, and so I, I and I want to preface so the story that i want to get to is about child abuse and the story that i wanted to share is also when i was trying to think back to my very first drink what was the very first time that alcohol ever touched my lips and Mm -hmm. originally it was like oh yeah i remember in high school and we had some drinks and somebody put on the beatles and it was like everything was magical all of a sudden we were drinking jack daniels and whatever and as i began to like think back there was a time and i don't remember what the punishment or I think I had spilled the white wine in the fridge and in Uh the, in the crisper down below were like all these sprouts. Oh. And so one of the other things, my dad was really into video games because it helped him to escape the pain of all the fucking physical ailments that he was dealing with. So Uh my punishment, and I was probably somewhere between fifth, like fourth and seventh grade. So somewhere between like, eight and 12. And I, I really can't tell probably closer to eight. And so I remember my punishment was, and my brother was in trouble too. And so, um, he, uh, I, and I don't, I don't really want to talk about my brother's part in this because I don't want to, you know, out shit that he did, but, um, but it's kind of important. So I'll just say it anyway. So he made my brother sit naked on an ice cube on a bar stool mm-hmm. that we had. And yeah. And, um, and I was forced to eat an entire bag of sprouts <clears throat> uh-huh. that was soaked in white wine. Right. And so, so coming to this realization of this moment that I had, I had forgotten about or I'd blocked out. <clears throat> it's like, at what point does that, how does that affect a person? You know, not to mention the other physical abuse. And so getting away from that and having that level of like stress 
and and panic and anxiety and all the awful awful things that um and you know and again it's 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 still something i struggle with cuz like i said he's gone but i i kind of have to look back and say hey you know maybe he was doing the best he could and and and, right. and you know forgiveness right. is for the person who forgives right it's not yeah. necessarily for the other person so i'm still working on mm-hmm. those but um <laughs> And, you know, and I've had many decades to think about this, but um, but all that kind of stress. And once you you ball that all up and you go like, what kind of person does that create except somebody who is scared and anxious and who doesn't know how to you know deal with people who doesn't know how mm-hmm. to deal with themselves, who is harboring resentments. And, you know, we've said this before, like you don't even know what the fucking word resentment means. You know what I mean? As right. a little kid. And no, so you don't. Yeah. you're just you're just frustrated and you just want to scream and you can't go anywhere and you're not in control of anything in your life. And yeah. like and that didn't trigger any sort of like I need to drink more. It was and I don't think that it was necessarily the opposite. It was just a disgusting, horrible thing that I had to do. Um, totally fucked up and pretty dark. And the entire time my dad's like in the living room playing legend of zelda or whatever like it was just it was a fucking weird scene and it's one of those weird scenes that you know as much as i imagine i'm the only one who ever went through anything like that you you end up meeting people and you're like oh shit i wasn't the only one and so i think that that's something that alcoholics like that that brings um to recovery is meeting other people and going like oh i'm not alone even in the right. weirdest fucked up thing that has happened to you or you have done, you know, for alcohol yeah. or because of alcohol or. So I really feel that the childhood traumas that I have gone through and possibly, you know, that my father has gone through and his father before him, because I can't imagine there's that it just started with me, <laughs> you know? No, no. I think that was also a something handed down. <laughs> You know, so, yeah, um, I think that that is a huge thing. And that if my childhood had been different, if my childhood mm-hmm. had been happier, if my childhood had been kinder, I don't know. Right. I mean, there, I, I can't, there's no way but, to real, but you really don't, say, I mean, yeah, yeah, but I also it's, wouldn't it's be one of those things where you can't really, who the fuck knows? I don't know, but I do know that it, it definitely affected my drinking. Yeah. Yeah. And just yeah. and just having somebody who had alcohol in the house all the time. And this, this is a real trip because I remember when you were trying to quit drinking, you were considering quitting drinking. You called me up drunk mm-hmm. and I was in the garage downstairs and you kept saying, well, I don't know. I don't know if I want to. I don't know, Jerry. And then you said, maybe I don't want to stop. Maybe I f- want to find out why I drink so much. <laughs> And then I remember telling you, John, if your house is on fire, you need to get the fuck out of your house. You don't figure out how the fire started. But now, through the magic of fucking recovery and sobriety, you're starting to figure out why you drank so much, brother. Going through the charred remains of my childhood. Yeah, now now the house is finally done burned down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now you can go through all that shit and suss it out, you know. And then from there, what do you do with that? You know, how, how can you make that a productive thing or a positive thing or how can you just even just regard it and say that was that mm-hmm. and this is now you know it's it's all it, it even ties into what we're talking about as far as like 
what are the causes or what, you know, because there's so many and every person is an individual. This, it'd be impossible to say this is exactly what it is or, oh, it's all genetic, you know, mm-hmm. or, or it's all a, a mental, uh, you know, a mental illness or whatever. You know, you never know. Yeah. You never know. I mean, I think I think mental illness plays a big role in it and especially. Absolutely does. It absolutely does. Yeah. Because, you know, on your end, it's funny because we mirror, we don't mirror, but we sh- we're at least two sides of it, whereas mine is was very heavily rooted in mental illness. Yours is rooted in. You know what I mean? Like past trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we're we should start a superhero team or something. <laughs> just be like past trauma and depressed man, you know, and just past trauma. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. like you got a healing factor and I mm-hmm. just I make the room darker. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, what do you know about Joy Division? Uh oh, it's a couple of bros with a keg. Turn the yeah. lights down. <laughs> Turn the lights down. <laughs> um yeah, man. I, I, it's just, it's, it's just, there's, there are other, there are, and that's the, yes, I've always wanted to know why I've always been curious. Cause I've always been a little more and not all, I, I shouldn't say always, but I try to be a self-aware human being. And right. yeah. mm-hmm. I think in those last few years of drinking and I probably called you, that was probably 2014. So it was probably, you know, a year before or maybe a year and a half before I quit. So or yeah, it was year. like right around in, it was around around this time of year, actually, because mm-hmm. my wife was here and my mother in law was here mm-hmm. and they had come up in like November. So it might have been around this time of year. But I've always wanted to know more about why. And I thought that, you know, oh, if I just knew why, then I could fix that. And then I that's I could still key, drink. Right. <laughs> right? right. Yeah, it, that's it, though. That's the key. <laughs> that was what I have the Excalibur. <laughs> now I can use this Excalibur to just continue my drinking career. And then my drinking will be healthy. Right. And then right. as long as I if I fix myself, you know, and, and so there's lots of things. And I'm supposed to write a letter to my father and send it off and you know, say all the things that I've wanted to say and I haven't done Mm -hmm. that. And so there's, there's lots of things that I still need to continue, but, um, it's certainly, it's not also, I, I don't, I don't think that if I fix these things that I will ever just go ahead and be able to go back to, Oh, I'll have a little, I'll have a smart cocktail and, Nice Before chartreuse yes. with lunch. <laughs> nice chartreuse with lunch. I've, There's never been a nice chartreuse ever. I've had chartreuse I, with lunch. I know lunch. you can disagree, <laughs> but, but yeah, so have I. <laughs> I've had chartreuse with breakfast, mm. but I don't think it was ever nice. No. It was never nice. No. <clears throat> it's like cat piss and fucking dog farts. I don't know what. It was like eating a marker. Yes. That fell in grass. Mm. And as a, as a bartender, I used to use it all the time in cocktails, man. It was like this little thing, and people were like, ooh, what is that? And I'd say, well, let me tell you about the chartreuse. Made yeah. by monks in the 1600s. And- it's fucking foot medicine. <laughs> it's just like that Unterberg. It was like my grandma's foot medicine. I drink it, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even drink with- Drink it out like, of a foot. Yeah, <laughs> drink it out of a foot. <laughs> um, so even with all those like underlying issues that you know we talk about- your your upbringing, your mental illness, your mm-hmm. uh, childhood traumas, um, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Desire to fit in. Desire yeah, to fit that in. Stuff. That's another big yeah. one. And yeah. I did that all through high school. I mean, even it was very tribal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very tribal. That was the thing when I met you guys, and I was like, "Oh man, this is perfect." They don't care. They <laughs> now we're drunk. They're drunks too. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was like, "Oh." They love me for who I am. And and I think that there was a certain level of that for all of us. But it was also right. 
we were not going to judge each other for our drinking. There was never, no. we'd make fun of each other, but there'd be no judgment as long as we could no. get another drink. Right. <laughs> so we we're all in the same boat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was a relief. And so that that's another thing that, you know, I, I love about recovery is you're like, oh, oh, you're just like me. Right. You're broken, but trying to fix it. And, um, but all those other underlying things aside, there's still in me that indelible desire that craving, maybe not craving so much anymore, but the desire to drink, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. I, and I don't, I don't ever see that changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't ever see myself going, Oh, I, and, and I don't say this, you know, uh, capriciously. Is that the right word? I don't say this, I think so. <laughs> you know, capriciously. Sure. That like, not? Hey, I'm not going to drink or I, I'll never drink or I don't, you know, I can't, I don't know that that's yeah. the fact, but, there, right. there may come a day where the craving takes hold or I think that I'm fine and I try to safeguard against that by continual Well, yeah, dude. It's super dangerous to say you're never going to do the thing that you did for like 20 <laughs> fucking years straight and that you just stopped doing just a couple of years ago. I always mm-hmm. think that's shady as fuck. Even people with multiple years sober who are like, I'll never touch, touch alcohol again. I'm like, just don't, don't say it. Just don't do it. Mm -hmm. You don't got to convince me, dude. You know, I'm not putting your ass on trial. I'm sitting here in this church basement with you, dude. (laughs) Don't talk about it. Be about (laughs) it. (laughs) Just be about it, homie. Yeah. I'm sitting in this church basement with you. Yeah. Yeah, dude. We're just both down here. Like, Mm -hmm. you saw those fucking dog kennels behind us? Yeah. Why are there dog kennels in the basement of the church, first off? And this is from a true life story. But anyway. um, Were there dogs in the dog kennels? You know what? It was the warming center. Because here in Eugene, they have the warming centers for the homeless Mm. folks. Because we got like a whole homeless thing going. We got a whole party here. And uh, whenever the city freezes, they have to not freeze to death so the churches open up the basements yeah. i guess homeless people got dogs yeah oh i don't i don't guess i see it they got dogs <laughs> so then they take the dogs to the church and put them in the kennel and yeah hang out and i don't know figure it out i guess mm-hmm. but that's why the dog kennels were there sometimes we even the the one uh group i had to go to every once in a while I had to do the meeting in different parts of the church because they would there'd be people sleeping all over the floor in the room we were would normally in and then the church would sequester us to some weird back room that would be full of old readers digests why the fuck does the church need all these readers digests <laughs> somebody got a subscription man and it's just like hundreds of them dude they've been getting subscribed yeah. they've subscribed since the 60s ah uh, the good old days of um 2014 <laughs> 15 it's a uh, but yeah, I, I just I don't see that fixing any of these things is going to change the also the the intrinsic quality of the alcoholism itself. Right. What do they say? You can't turn a pickle back into a cucumber. No, dude. you can't. Yeah. So even if you figure out where how the pickle is made and where it was from and what kind of pickle the cucumber it was, it's not going to turn it back. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like what's what's been done can't be undone. No. But what you can you can what you you can do shit to avoid making it worse though yes there's yeah getting deep over here there's a quote on my wall i have had it for there a friend of mine wrote it but it says uh there is no problem so bad that alcohol can't make worse word make even worse i hear that all the time it's the fucking truth man it's the fucking truth so whenever i have a problem that i need to solve or i'm in a sticky situation or or not a sticky situation because those don't really happen too much unless i'm like eating peanut butter out of the jar 
Right, those raw fucking <laughs> sweet potatoes. Well, I mean, those are those are pretty easy. If you you don't want to put too many holes in them, you just enough to let the air out. Otherwise, all the sugar comes out. But I oh, had the sweet potato. Yeah, right, but okay. I had one the yeah. other day on the road, man. I took I bagged it up and I was like eating it out of the Ziploc bag. It got me through with a day. I was out and I just uh, it's a low calorie uh, snack. I'm telling you. I had sweet potato fries tonight with dinner. Mm. But yeah, I thought of you. Just <laughs> in the burnt down hills of Sonoma eating a sweet that potato out of a Ziploc bag. That was just me. talking to the cats. I don't know if any of you guys follow John on Instagram, but all his stories are always animals he finds around his neighborhood. He's <laughs> like fucking Dr. Doolittle. You should follow me on Instagram. It's uh yeah, well, so many dogs dude, just escaped from their yards dude, on your walks. There was two of them out today and they were just like barking. They they I don't know if they wanted to play or if they were just like, "Hey man, keep walking." Yeah. But so I see a lot of animals. There's deer out here, there's there's cows, there's uh there's lots of dogs, cats sometimes. Um, and you video them all by your Instagram. They're my Instagram feed, stories, like, man. So if you want to see the yeah. animals that I that I encounter, with some that you come upon well no not come upon that you come across they come across yeah, yeah. not upon go yeah. check me out at sonic john um yeah. but um so yeah back to the point of yeah. solving for x and finding out what that means and what it means to you um do you find that so on top of depression now you also you you lived in both households one where you had parents who were were uh we're practicing Alcohol, alcoholics, practicing alcoholics, and then, yeah, and then during recovery. recovery. Yeah. So I'm curious when you like, say, we go back to your wedding, and but even earlier. But I just remember your parents, who had been sober for a long time, were like, "How much booze yeah, should we decades. get?" And they were like, "All about right. you know, like these people drink, we're gonna throw a party." But when they first right. got into recovery and you were younger, did it affect how they talked about it, or when you started uh, drinking, were they? I don't know, man. Because I was 12, right? When my dad got sober, I think. It was 1989, so I was actually like almost 14. I was a... And you hadn't started drinking yet. Dude, I was 14. I hadn't started drinking yet. And my mom didn't get sober till I was like 17 or 18. Okay. So my my parents were still married, and my mom was still drinking while my dad was sober. You know? Jesus. My father has a lot of patience, and he has a lot of practice. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad... My, you know, I mean, I don't want to out my dad, but I guess I did, but he's really open about it anyway. But yeah, um, I think by the time they both were actually working the program together and, and I was gone already, I was out of the house. I was already like in Tucson and then up here in Eugene. But, um, I mean, there were definite, the way they spoke about it was different. I remember just my dad just, just quit drinking. Like he just, just the shit went down in his life. Mm-hmm. He fucking, I don't know, man. Like we didn't really talk about meetings. I was 14. I was so yeah. self-centered. I didn't even think about it. I didn't talk about AA or meetings until I got much older. And, you know, the the language changed more with my mom, you know, because my mom was much more vocal about it. You know, my old man did his thing and it kept him straight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it like after a while he saw that he was reaping benefits from it. It wasn't even just financial benefits. Like emotionally, he was being able to um, uh, navigate his life in a, a, you know, things got smoother. And then he just kind of was a lot easier at taking things the way they came. But my mom was more vocal, especially with all the lingo and talk of, of the 12 step program. Mm-hmm. She'd be like, you know, easy does it and one day at a time. And there before the grace of God, you know, I grew up, I grew up 
with big books. I mean, not big books. I grew up with grapevines on the toilet <laughs> tank. You know, it's, take a dump and read the fucking grapevine. So, but it didn't. It didn't affect you, or you didn't think about it in a different way when you were. I mean, and they didn't seem. It, it was never a concern when you were in your twenties and even your thirties, like drinking. I, I don't think I was really. I was not really open about drinking Got like it. that. Yeah. They, I smoked a lot of pot in my twenties. Yeah. So that was more my jam. Alcohol at that point was something I really loved, but it was one of those things that was like, it was harder to get cause I was underage yeah. and I wasn't really willing to go out there and knock on fucking car <laughs> windows and be like, buy me a 40, you know, I, cause I could get weed way easier. Mm-hmm. I grew up on the border to Mexico, man. It just falls out of the sky in a bale, you know, welcome to no gallus. You know what I'm saying? It's when I turned 21 and it became accessible. As a matter of fact, it's right around the time I started hanging around with you mm-hmm. in my like early twenties, like 22, 23 is when I realized that I was old enough to just go to the fucking liquor store. Like I didn't have to play any more games. I didn't have to go to Mexico and drink in a bar with all the dudes who beat me up in high school. Like I didn't have to fuck with any of that. Like my wife partied in Mexico like crazy. And Mm -hmm. so did my sisters, you know, like they went out dancing and shit. And like, I never went to the bars in Mexico because I was a nerd in high school and a punk rocker. And I got beat up for that shit. But at 23 in Eugene, Oregon, where being a nerd and punk rocker was actually like a benefit. I was like, well, I'm going to tear the fucking wheels off this thing. Mm -hmm. And that's I proceeded to do that. But their language, the way they treated us, I think, like I said, my siblings saw more of that than I did. Because yeah. I think once the once whatever um, discipline they were using in their lives, once they started really using it, I was already out of the door. Right. You know. Yeah. So you you unfortunately didn't reap any of the benefits. I don't Not I don't want to say that because I mean I I they're I've met them both and they're wonderful people. Though. They're yeah they're fucking cool <clears throat> as hell. I think. Uh, I just, I don't know. You know, I don't want to place blame on them for anything. I mean, they were, my mom, they were kids, dude. Yeah. That's the funny thing. You talk about your childhood. Like we both come from pretty, I don't even know if our circumstances are necessarily unique. There's so many stories out there Mm -hmm. in this country and in this world, you know, but yeah, my mom was 17 years old when I was born. My dad turned 18 the day I was born. You know, they were fucking kids. Yeah. Dude, me at 18, I couldn't even fuck dude i couldn't keep anything alive you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like i don't even know how they did it with me they were fucking little kids yeah so i mean they had a lot on their hands and then they made three more so there's four of us running around you know i just remember knowing that like your parents were in recovery and it was never it never came up as a point of discussion um there was just live their lives yeah it was it was was your wedding and they were like how much how many liquor how many they were like yeah how many gallons of bourbon and gin and vodka should we get and i had a conversation with you because they were you were the bartender yeah and i said you know a lot of people don't drink gin so maybe just one of those big bottles but definitely get like a lot of vodka and a lot of tequila and probably not as much bourbon but you know jerry drinks bourbon but you know how how much bourbon can one person drink you know all of it all of it (laughs) (laughs) so it was just it was a trip to me that they were like super cool with it and i never once thought like oh they're around this or i never really thought about their perspective and like you said they were probably just like yeah man that this is their wedding not ours and right we're just hosting yeah. it at our place I, they always had booze though in the house like not always but they had booze in the house for like guests. like um yeah yeah dude they whenever i came home my mom would buy me a handle of jim beam like when i'd come home to visit you know it was just hmm. it was so in in de- it's so embedded in the culture i grew up in i guess just being an American in general, it's in the culture, you know, but it is so embedded in that culture on the border there. I mean, people fucking drink. It's what they do, yeah. you know. 
Yeah, it's just that was just normal. It was just normal. And I grew up in a little bit of a different kind of desert, but it was it was mm-hmm. pretty much the same thing. I mean, you would think growing up in Las Vegas, you know, you the strip doesn't really give much appeal when you're 16. You're like you walk mm-hmm. up and down the strip, you're not allowed in anywhere and maybe your friend's yeah, mom you who, do? who's yeah. a cocktail waitress can get you a cherry coke. <laughs> you know, like it's not <laughs> but um it was definitely a lot of like what what can we get? How much can we get? And um and where can we go drink it? And mm-hmm. it was just um thing and I did a lot of that knocking on windows and Yeah, man, I just couldn't do like it. Call it fishing. And so we just go, you know, sit in the <laughs> sit in the seven eleven parking lot. And I remember uh-huh. there was a bunch of um the one time I got these guys to do it, the uh it was a it was a group of Mexican um workers and they were in their truck and there were three of them and I was trying to talk to them but they didn't speak a lot of English and mm-hmm. I didn't speak any Spanish, and I was trying to like explain to them Boone's Hill Farm. Oh my god! <laughs> and I was yeah. like, and I had all the money, and I had extra, you know. And I was like, I need nine mm-hmm. bottles. Yeah. And it was this whole thing of like trying to get these guys, and they're pulling them out of the cooler, and then looking at me through the window, like, oh, is this god, the right dude. one? And they were yeah. so helpful. Yeah. They were so like, they. I don't know. It was. It was. It was a fucking nightmare. We got it. Why are you drinking Boone's Farm? So what are you we doing? packed it all in a guitar case, in a soft guitar uh-huh. case, and walked it to the park. Yeah. You know, Damn. so there wasn't yeah. there wasn't a whole lot to do. I mean, I think in there really wasn't a whole lot to do when I grew up there. As soon as I left Las Vegas, is when they started getting all super artsy and good music scene and all this shit. You know, yeah. So I missed like that. the day you left the Killers Farm, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it was like the Crystal Method and Slaughter were from there or something, but yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, um, it's there's a lot that goes into an alcoholic, into the making of an alcoholic. You know, I don't think that mm-hmm. it's just a, it's one little gene and um, and no, an it's analogy. Not. It's 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 not it's far more complex than that. And you know, if we're working off the literature of of our twelve step programs, they weren't quite you know what i mean it was written so long ago Mm -hmm. that it's it's hard to suss all of it out it's i mean i thought we were gonna figure it out but we didn't so yeah (laughs) (laughs) well i think i think the one thing you you figure out is um you just don't drink yeah no i mean i thought we were gonna figure it out in this podcast yeah answer to alcoholism i mean i don't know if i've even figured out recovery yet i'm still doing Mm -hmm. it i i think the day i figure out recovery is the day that i I, I kind of stop having fun with it because I think the fun part of recovery to me is always recovering every day. You, you recover, you get better. You feel better. Yeah, and then the one day I'm like, I'm all fixed. I'm bullshit. I'm, there's still something wrong. There's other things and that, yeah. So it's always those mm-hmm. those other things of progress, right. not perfection, and trying to figure yourself out. And the, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a lot. It's yeah. fucking exhausting, mm-hmm. and we are complicated creatures human beings yeah, in general are. then you throw alcoholism on top of it and any other type of addiction but yeah alcoholism is the whole reason we're doing this podcast yes. man yeah so and i think in closing um solving for x x is a big it's a big thing and um it's right. different for everybody and yet there's so many similarities when you start talking about it to people so yeah I think it's important to share. I think it's important to listen. 
Um, yeah, definitely listen. I, I thought about you the other day and I was sitting in a meeting and I was just like contently listening to people. And I know that you said that's what a lot of what you do. And, and I was gonna, I was gonna say something and somebody else piped up first and they said exactly what I was thinking. And I was like, God damn, yeah. that's, that's the magic right there. Right. Like, I don't even need to say this shit. <laughs> It's funny because if, you know, people do listen to this and they hear me talk so much, you go, if you're in a meeting with me, like, I don't fucking say anything. Mm -hmm. I just, I love to listen, but then they're like, open your mouth and help. And I'm like, you already said all the shit I wanted to say, yeah. dude. I'm, I'm not following you. Mm -hmm. You're a hard act to <laughs> yeah, follow, sir. Right? Yeah. I mean, like the fucking Seinfeld of uh, meetings. Uh, yeah. The rooms, right? Yeah. Waka waka. But, um, but yeah. So if, uh, Reach out to us, A is for alcoholic at gmail.com. You go to the website, you can hit us up at Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. But hell yeah, uh, you know, I think it's important to share, and I think it's important. I, I really I love that you know, we live in a time where you can be open about these things and it's actually celebrated rather than kind of swept under Shunned the rug. or Shunned. made you feel ashamed yeah. for. Yeah, we can actually, yeah. you know, what's embarrassing is this entire podcast I've been wearing a Von Dutch hat <laughs> I found in a box. I found a box in my closet. I've been wearing this Von Dutch hat all day. What's it smell 2003. like? From 2003. Yes. It smells like Von Dutch, man. It smells like 2004. It smells That's like Axe Body Spray. And it's like a $50 hat that I got off of like a girl I used to date. A thong that Fred Durst once wore. Boom, that's what it smells like. The old Motorola Razor or whatever. The Hello, uh, Is that a Motorola yeah, Razor? Yeah. It was. Those shits were dope. Anyway. So yeah, we get that'll be our other podcast. Yeah, mid two thousand nostalgia with Johnny and Jerry. Wow. Ow, are you down with the sickness? That's what the podcast will be called. Um, yeah, stay cool, stay sober, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you stay next cool. time. Yeah. Thanks again for listening. Our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at aisforalcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah.